This episode is dedicated to Jerry Taylor. He is the dad of today's guest, Casey. Jerry passed away suddenly just days after my recorded conversation with Casey. Jerry certainly has much to be proud of as his daughter's positive imprints extend worldwide. Your positive, positive, positive imprint. 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 Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready for your positive imprint. Well, hello, this is Catherine, your host of the podcast, Your Positive Imprint, the variety show featuring people all over the world whose positive actions are inspiring positive achievements. Exceptional people rise to the challenge. Music by the talented Chris Knoll. Check out his music and learn so much more about his pretty rad, awesome background. ChrisKnoll.com. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Your Positive Imprint. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Check out my YouTube channel, Your Positive Imprint, and my website, YourPositiveImprint.com, where, of course, you can sign up for email updates to learn more about the podcast, as well as listen to the podcast, or, of course, listen from any podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, any, or just your favorite podcast platform. Your Positive Imprint, what's your PI? Hi, everybody. My name's Casey Taylor. I'm a senior zookeeper here at the Albuquerque Biopark in New Mexico, United States. I'm here in front of the painted dog exhibit today. We are gonna talk a lot about the African painted dog and different things going on with them, but I also want to talk to everybody about kind of what I do throughout my whole day here at the Biopark as a keeper. I take care of a lot of the carnivores here, which includes these amazing animals behind me. They're taking their afternoon siesta right now, which is very typical of large carnivores. She just popped her head up to say hi. So yeah, that's what I'm gonna be talking about today, how we take care of these animals and how we contribute to the overall conservation of a lot of different species, including the African painted dogs and how important and crucial all these species are um, to maintaining healthy ecosystems across the world and here in Albuquerque as well. Casey, I am just so incredibly excited to have you here on the show and to hear not only your positive imprints, but also to be educated by the information that you have to provide not only on the absolute phenomenal African painted dog, mm -hmm. but so much more that you have to share with the world, with the job that you're doing, with conservation, with environmental awareness. So let's first start off with Casey. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I'm very happy to be doing this. I love reaching out to the community and across the world to teach about what I do and what we all do here at the Biopark, as well as zoos across the nation, and why what we do impacts things that you might not think about. We're reaching out across the oceans and impacting things going on in Africa. So I really appreciate the opportunity to discuss that all with you. So thank you so much. Absolutely. So you are a senior yes. zookeeper. First, tell us what that means. Um, so that means I'm, I'm kind of in charge of a string of animals. I'm trained with all of the carnivores here at the biopark, but I do have one primary area I work. And those species include uh, the polar bears. So we have two polar bears, the African painted dogs, of course, and the Mexican gray wolves, harbor seals, cheetahs, spotted hyenas. And then I'm also trained uh, with all the large cats that you may see on the catwalk, as well as the small cats out there too. 
As a senior zookeeper, every day I come in, I check on all my animals. A lot of them need to be medicated daily. I medicate, I train. The first thing I do every day is it's really important to the, the safety of the public as well as my fellow co-workers is the topmost priority for me when I come in in the morning. So my first thing is checking all the exhibits, making sure nothing happened overnight that needs uh, addressing before we let the public in. I'm here before we open to the public. So that's kind of my, my first, first priority. Second priority is the welfare of all my animals. So um, that's what I'm doing every day. I, I check and I'm with my animals a lot. All of my animals, except for the harbor seals that I work with, are close contact. That means that we do not go in with them because they are fairly dangerous. And so that kind of limits some of the interactions we can have, but it also creates a trust between me and the animal where I'm not going to force myself into their space. And then I am always comfortable because I'm always safe. So maintaining and building relationships among all the animals I work with is also a, a really important aspect of my job. And I've been here at the biopark for about four years now. I started as a temp keeper in the clinic and then eventually moved on to become a senior keeper here in the carnivore department. I'm lucky enough at the biopark to be an Albuquerque City employee, which is different than a lot of other zoos and aquariums. I tend to have better benefits than a lot of other zookeepers. It can be a very difficult job physically, mentally, emotionally, all of that. I feel very lucky that I have good vacation time, good sick leave, things like that. We are always looking out for each other. And so I feel really lucky to be working here at this facility. We do work at an AZA accredited facility, yep. so there are certain standards that we have to meet. And we always try to go above and beyond those standards with all of our animal. And we do have upper management that supports that. You can't find people that care more about animals than people who work at this facility. This job, very difficult all across the board, even into upper management. So if you're not here for the animals, you're gonna find somewhere else to go. Casey earned her bachelor's degree in marine biology. As an intern, she worked at the Oregon Zoo where she discovered what zoo life is like and she fell in love with it. But life took her in a different direction following graduation. She worked as a vet tech with small animals including exotic species, reptiles, and birds. She moved to New Mexico with her husband and the work as a vet tech gained her the experience for what lay ahead. I got a position in the clinic, but that wasn't a permanent position. We do sometimes have what's called temporary positions here which aren't through the city but it really helps build somebody's comfort and confidence and education when it comes to larger, more dangerous animals and how zookeeping in general works. And from there, I learned about all the different departments. And when an opening came up, I was lucky enough to get it. And I worked as an entry-level keeper here in the carnivore department for a few years. And then a senior position opened and I applied for that and I got it. Well, congratulations Thank on you. That. Thank you. Casey has a connection with the animals and she is dedicated to Albuquerque's Biopark Carnivores. She explains her relationship with the animals. They are, you know, intimidating in a lot of ways, but they're also so amazing and a lot of them are a lot smarter than we might give them credit for. They have a lot more, you know, interaction with people. I have formed connections with all the carnivores I worked with, even if I'm only there for a short time or if I'm not, you know, their primary keeper, if I'm not with them every day. We still 
have formed some sort of connection. I just love it. I, I don't really know what else to say. Like they, they're just amazing creatures. A lot of the times they need somebody to advocate for them. Yes. Just love yes. them and their personalities. The hyenas are actually the ones that kind of tip me over into really pursuing the carnivore department because they're just so smart and so fun. And yeah, I've just fallen in love with every species I've worked with here. And I just am so excited I got the opportunity when I did. And it's really helped me grow as a person as well as a, a animal caregiver. And I'm glad you mentioned the word advocate because mm -hmm. they can't advocate for themselves. We can't do our jobs. None of us can yeah. do our jobs without that education and bringing that to the people. What about when you lose an animal? Oh, it's, it's, it's devastating. And that's why at the beginning I, I mentioned that it's, this job is difficult. Physically it's difficult. We're working outside. We have to lift heavy things. We are constantly moving, but the emotional difficulty is, is always present. These animals often live way longer lifespans than they would in the wild here in captivity, but that also gives you so much more time to build relationships. Oh, even one day yeah, is, is absolutely. So, um, it is hard. Are there counseling services? Oh yeah, we we actually that's a that's a great point. I find the camaraderie of the team very cathartic, but also city employees have access to a counselor. So that's that's been really helpful uh, that people know that they can reach out and schedule a session and it's covered and you can go during work hours and it's not it's not frowned upon. It's not you know, it's not... Well, it's part of your job. Yes, exactly. To, Absolutely. some of the things that are happening right now with the bacteria. Yeah, the primate department is going through a very difficult yes. time right now. And the rest of the zoo is trying to rally as much as we can. Of course. As, as a carnivore keeper, I don't take care of any of the primates. And they've kept us very separated at this point physically because of the bacteria, because of the right. bacterial infection because humans can get it yeah. we help where we can we've been chopping diets there's a whole team of people taking care of the baby siming the the baby siming is always on a human who you know lost both of his parents oh, it's my yeah it's it was it is devastating yes, it is. it's it's hard but but we're pulling together as best we can and and i feel when it's all said and done, that the primate team, I think it's going to be an incredibly tight-knit group, and we're all there to try to lift them up any way we can. I'm getting emotional yeah. just talking about it. I feel horrible. Even though they weren't animals that I work directly with, we all love all the animals well, here. Course, so it's The Shigella virus, not related to COVID, has taken the lives of several of the Bioparks primates, and unfortunately, the baby Siamang, Rue, who Casey talked about, passed away due to complications from this virus. It is truly heartbreaking because it was preventable. When visiting an animal park, please remember to not feed the animals. The primates in Albuquerque at the biopark are still at risk, and zookeepers are very cautious, even wearing specific types of PPE when feeding and working with the non-human primates. Shigella is still a threat. I certainly thank the primate zookeepers and veterinarians for their dedication. It's it's very difficult, I mean, and it's difficult for us all, not even when we necessarily lose an animal, but a lot of our animals are transferred. Yes. Um, it's it's hard. Uh, the first tiger I worked with, Panari, got transferred, and it was, it was rough on me. But they get transferred for all, all sorts right. of different reasons. Right. On that note, let's yeah. go to the African painted dog. Yes. Which, if you could help me pronounce the correct term, like 
Lycon Pictus. Pictus, yeah. Which literally means painted wolf. Yeah. I absolutely love that name, Painted Wolf. The African Painted Dog, I just love. Yeah. I want to advocate for them. They're almost extinct in the wild. They're critically endangered. Yes, and it's it's heartbreaking to hear that. In the wild population, they're looking at about six to 7,000 max. And a lot of that is the lack of education. Like you were mentioning before, an advocacy. Painted dogs used to be referred to a lot as wild dogs. Right. So a lot of people would have heard that name for this species. We're trying to steer away from that name just because of the negative connotation that projects. Well, and also it's the correct name. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Which is yeah. painted wolf. So uh -huh. painted dog, dog is, is way more accurate description. Correct. They're beautiful, just gorgeous. Their coloration is just so unique and so amazing. And their ears are yes. just so big and charismatic because they are so social. The social cues cues they give to each other we can see that when they're interacting with us or just watching them you can you can kind of read their body language a lot easier than some other animals because they are so social that they have to have some sort of language amongst themselves it is heartbreaking there are a lot of efforts right now which which we'll talk about i was really interested with the painted dog conservation fund started by greg rasmussen we've had him here at oh, the biopark wow. a number wow. of times for different um, he's from england isn't he he's from england but he does live in yeah. africa okay. he is like the main authority right. on african painted I looked dogs him up and i did i uh, sent a note to see if i can get anybody from the organization okay yeah um well, that would be great if you can get anybody because he's been to the biopark at least a few times. I've seen him once since I've started. And then we pay for him to come out here. He does a little talk about his recent projects and what's going on and how the numbers are looking and things like that. And it really actually, it helps a lot for us to understand our captive animals when we're learning at the same time the studies going on in the wild. So I just think that's great. And a huge impact he's had on some of the wild population lately has been a lot of them there's a huge stretch of highway going through a lot of their territory and they've been getting hit oh dear a lot so he's been able to get reflective collars on a number of individuals in impacts and also change signage along the freeway and make it more uh more alerting to the drivers like what the speed limit actually is and how it will be enforced so that's actually helped at least in zimbabwe up a lot of the population numbers just in the past few years his work is phenomenal and that's kind of where where we look to that's our main kind of contact over in africa from the biopark standpoint the painted dogs are amazing because they not only take care of their young but they'll take care of each other which is rare even in social carnivores like if an animal is injured other adults will bring it prey to eat food to eat until they rehab which is just amazing to see because it takes extra effort it almost takes critical thinking <laughs> yes it's yes. just amazing that they do that for each other so we don't do any breeding here because of our limited size so how we help the species here is by taking individuals that are either not being incorporated into a pack a healthy way, like maybe they're being picked on or they're just not integrating well in the wild. They, at that point, they would be able to go off and go try a different pack or go do something else. But when they're in captivity, they're forced 
into the pack that they are. So keepers in other facilities recognize that maybe an individual is having problems. We also take non-breeding females. We do have a male and a female in here, but the female's spayed, so we don't have to worry about any breeding. So that's kind of our job for the painted dogs, is taking taking dogs and creating kind of a, a mishmash pack that will be happy and healthy for the rest of their lives. Because even if a dog isn't going to contribute any more to a breeding or continue lineage, they're still important individuals. And that's what we're here to do. All the individuals at our zoo are important. We give them the best life for as long as we can. Daily for these guys, I feed them, I check them over, get visual eyes on them every day, enrich them every day. So when we bring them into their dens for their feeding, that's when we can access the yard, clean the yard. These guys are really into different scents. They really like new smells and they'll <laughs> roll in it and get all excited. They make lots of noises. Also food enrichment is a big one. So scattering food, things like that. So just Honestly, giving them the best life they possibly can. That's, that's really what we're here for. You're providing an education to every single yes. person that reads the sign mm -hmm. and looks at the animal. And I know that we are in North America, but even our voice, because people are going to grow up and they're going to go to Africa. Yep. And so that voice is important Absolutely. no matter where you're living. Absolutely. People don't want to save something unless they care about it. Mm -hmm. And that's... That's what we're here for, providing the animals with the best life, yes. but in a way that shows and educates people. Once people see them, they instantly do care about them. They're amazing. They're amazing to watch. They're amazing even to watch sleeping. They're so beautiful. It's hard to, to have eyes on these animals and not care. I love it when kids are, anybody gets that like wow moment. So Casey, I know that there's reintroduction programs all over the world for wild animals. You mentioned that this is a non-breeding program, but is there any chance that the African painted dog will go back into the wild? Like I said, we're not breeding them here right now, but it is crucial that we keep the genetic diversity of the captive population up for potential reintroduction down the line. In Africa, they help wild painted dogs out where they'll provide food, kind of half captive, half wild situations, as well as rehab. Here at the biopark, something that we do with um, another carnivore that is very comparable to the painted dog uh, is the Mexican gray wolves. We do have a breeding facility here. All of our Mexican gray wolves are actually owned by Fish and Wildlife, so we work really closely with them. And we treat all of the Mexican gray wolves that come through here as potential release because we don't necessarily know when or if they are going to be released, but they need to be ready if they are. We also do a lot of rehab work with wild Mexican gray wolves. So if any are injured, we will house them here and rehabilitate them. We've recently had seven pups born here that were transferred to Mexico. That was a really big positive impact we had. The wild population of the Mexican gray wolves is like less than 300 individuals. It's, oh my gosh, I didn't know it was that it's low. It's very low and it's all happened because of reintroduction efforts. They had only seven individuals at one point in time. So, so the work we do with them actually translates into bigger population numbers in the wild directly, which is amazing. And they are such a a, a good indicator species when you're looking at reintroduction techniques that can be incorporated with painted dogs as well. Because like I've said earlier that they have similar 
issues when it comes to people. And they are hunted down for the same reasons, livestock or habitat destruction, things like that. It's it's very similar animal, very different environments, obviously, different continents, but, but it is something that we're doing here directly at the biopark with the, that wolf population. This is a natural range for that Mexican gray right. wolves. We have a better opportunity to naturalize them to to what they would expect in the wild. So we're, we're constantly moving them around and creating the best genetic matches that we possibly can. We need to maintain that genetic diversity within the captive population so we're ready when, when we government gets a go-ahead basically for, for an area that we have, we have wolves that we can introduce there. I used to volunteer mm-hmm. back in the 90s when they were doing the wolf reintroduction. Well, that's a great program. Yeah, Thank it's amazing. Thank you so amazing. much for yeah. sharing that. I'm Thank glad. you. Thank you. Yeah. When, when you're working with the African painted dog, the, the relationship that you have, they recognize your voice. Yeah. What do you think that does for them that they recognize somebody's voice that they trust? And probably that's the key word, right. is trust. Right. I think it makes everything more of their choice and they know that they can decide where they want to be and what they want to do and if they want to they choose to have a relationship with me i can't force anything on them it's incredibly important with all our large carnivores that they have some sort of trust with us because we need them to move in certain spaces or be able to access them for veterinary care things like that so always intuitive with every individual it's something that we build over time uh our female in here is took a lot to get her to a point where she's comfortable with certain individuals. And honestly, if something happens, if there's uh, a lot of construction or she does have to be knocked down for a vet exam, it takes me a long time to build it back up. But it's always worth it for us to maintain a good relationship, her and I, because that's how I provide the best care for her without always stressing her out. We don't want to have to dart any animal. We don't have to have to physically restrain or hold down an animal when we don't have to. We would rather have that a choice that they make, a trained choice. Then, like I said, every individual is a little different. The male in here is much easier, more trusting. He's also way more submissive. She's the dominant one. So you always have to work with each individual's personality and what they're comfortable with. But I do believe it provides them when they do have people that they trust, it gives them a better chance at a better life and just a more comfortable, lower stress situation. So that's why it is crucial for the keepers to be aware of the relationships they have. And sometimes you might break a relationship and not be able to mend it and you need to be okay asking somebody else to step in and be that person for that animal. Oh. Yes. Wow, that, wow. Yeah, and it's hard, especially if you put in a lot of time and effort to build up some trust, but sometimes something happened and you might not even really realize what it was, but they associate it, that negative aspect with a certain individual. And you can't take it personally. You always have to put them first. And so it's not always about us as keepers and how good of a trainer we are or how awesome we are at connecting with animals. Something might happen that is completely out of your control and you just have to... Be okay with it. That, that's a very good point, and I'm glad that you brought that up because that brings a little bit more reality of what you do deal with mm-hmm. and that you do have to be careful and considerate yes. with the animals. Mm-hmm. Right now, if we could get somewhat of an explanation of what is going on in Africa as to why 
the painted dog is critically endangered. Yeah. It's almost equivalent to the wolves in North America. Oh, okay. So a lot of communities and farmers. Bless you. And your dog just sneezed. That is actually a form of, maybe not right now at this moment, but in the wild populations, a sneeze is a vote. Like if they want to go hunting or not, there'll be a big group. And if more of them sneeze than don't, they're like, okay, it's time to go hunt. Or if the if the most dominant pair sneezes, usually they go out and hunt. Anyway, that's one of the one study that's kind of going on right now that mm. they're trying to figure a little bit more out. So the the road is definitely a problem, you know, strike by cars, but but it's a lot like the wolves in North America, where it's a lot of farmers, ranchers, just communities having fear of them. And maybe losing some livestock sometimes and not understanding how to live, you know, around a painted dog pack. People were uncomfortable living close to predators. These animals are not very big. They're not very aggressive. They're relatively easy to kill. And that's what happened to them. Also, just their territory being encroached upon, habitat destruction, but a lot of it, it's, it's very comparable to wolves in North America. Okay. Normally, the biopark does send keepers to Africa for different conservation mm -hmm. work. And I wanted to start incorporating painted dog work into that as well. We've had a uh, travel you know, hold on all of those projects since COVID. I've been here for four years, but I'm still a relatively new keeper. I'm still building my knowledge base. It's yeah. pretty phenomenal. There's always opportunities, always new things to learn, new ways to approach things, new ways to make our animals' lives better. And that's what we're always striving for. Is there anything else that you'd like to add about the African painted dog or the, as I just love this, the Lyacon Pictus painted, painted wolf? wolf. I, yeah, that's a, they're beautiful. Um, I would just like to say, if you do want to do any sort of conservation work or preservation work, donating specifically to the Painted Dog Conservation Fund, that's where your money's gonna go the furthest. And if you're not in a position to donate, just learn about them. If you're physically not somewhere where you can go see a pair or a pack, look up videos of them because they are truly phenomenal. And also if you do happen to you know, make it over to Africa in your life and you, you are doing some of those ecotourism. Be careful where you go. Dr. Rasmussen's done some studies that show some ecotourists that go too close to painted dog dens are actually causing a detrimental effect to puppy growth because they're staying in the dens more. So you can always find the best routes through the painted dog conservation group. Uh, so yeah, just be, be careful. Even when you think you're helping, sometimes if you're not doing the full research, you might not be. Getting physical eyes on them is, is the best way to, to really start loving them. Casey closes this episode number 153 with her positive and inspiring words. Love what you do and save what you love. I work with animals, not everybody can, uh, but whatever you decide to do, with your free time or even your work time, make it worth it and love it. And if you love it, others will too. Casey, thank you so much for being here on the show. Thank you. There are many wild animals that are critically endangered. There are many ways to learn about animals of the world, and one way is to go to your local biopark. Conservation and preservation organizations also provide videos and information. There are books at your local library and, of course, bookstores. Thanks to Chaz and Allison Zom 
for connecting me with Casey. Learn more about the Albuquerque Biopark by googling ABQ Biopark. Learn more about the Painted Dog, the research, and the conservation by going to PaintedDogResearch.org. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, or download this podcast. Your positive imprint. What's your P.I.?